we must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey, and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Hey everybody, this is Brandon, and for this episode, I chatted with two DPT students who run their clinical rotations at the Virginia Center for Spine of Sports Therapy while I was working there, and they provided some great insight into their educational experience. So without further ado, here is our chat with Andy Smith and Amara Lim. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. This is your host, Brandon Pollan. Today, I am actually live at our clinic at the Virginia Center for Spine and Sports Therapy, here with two physical therapy students that are actually completing their second clinical yeah. rotations yeah. here. And I have the pleasure of welcoming Andy Smith and Amara Lim. So guys, thank you so much for joining us to really talk about kind of your overall experiences as a student in terms of education, but also kind of your experience in the clinic thus far and kind of really getting some perspective on that. Because I'm just really excited to kind of share a different perspective to our audience here, mostly varied healthcare providers, students, and also um, faculty. members. Yeah. So would you guys kind of just mind briefly kind of introducing yourself to our audience about who you are and kind of what really drove you guys to decide to become a PT and why you went to Radford? So like Brandon was saying earlier, just finished my Second year of Radford's physical therapy program out in Roanoke. So this is our second clinical rotation. The way we do it is we have uh, 12-week rotations, three totals, this being our second one. So out in Roanoke, Radford's program, it's the one that I got accepted to, if I'm honest, the only one I got in. But I, every day, think, thank God that's where I went because I feel like it's a perfect fit for me. Uh, originally going into physical therapy, I started off as a, uh, a chemical engineering major at Virginia Tech and decided I hated that and I was good at math and science and stuff but maybe it wasn't the right science for me. I was really big into lifting, fitness and health and all that good stuff. I actually wanted to be a pediatrician at first. My pediatrician was like you are like perfect for this. You should work with kids but then some physical therapists came and uh, talked to us at Tech in one of my classes. I think it was like athletic injuries and I was like you're telling me that I can do all the stuff that I like and not the things I dislike and potentially Pete's because there's like Pete's PT so I'm potentially still like leaning that way but physical therapy to me just seemed like a job that I would enjoy doing that's like super fulfilling as well and it also helps that like my parents and with like seeing like the newspaper like oh like right now it's like top 10 jobs to have it's like PT was like number two as far as like job satisfaction of what people like to do so that's kind of like what got me probably here nice Amara what about you well my name's Amara um like Andy I'm a second year DBT student going into my third um, well, when I was in college, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, at first I thought I was going to be a pharmacist, but chemistry was all kind of difficult. So I didn't do pharmacy. Um, then I thought about computer engineering and, you know, math kind of got to me. And then my dad got injured and he went to re- rehab and I went to some of his physical therapy sessions. And I was like, you know what? I can do that. 
up and that's that. <laughs> one of the reasons why I went to Radford was, you know, I got accepted into it, one of the two. Um, and I actually liked the small program. I know that some other programs had like 60 students and mm-hmm. I, I like the smaller setting. Very cool. So um, I'm going to ask a question that we didn't prepare for initially because I am just so curious because I have never personally experienced a clinical experience where I'm with another fellow classmate. What is that experience like working alongside the same clinical rotation with a similar student in a program? Like what are some interesting facts about it? For me, I've really enjoyed it. It's kind of cool because uh, things we'll talk about later too is kind of coming into a clinic. It's like, oh, like I swear I knew this in class, but now I feel like an idiot and I don't know how to do anything. <laughs> and it's kind of nice to like lean over to Amara sometimes and be like, you're confused too, right? And then mm-hmm. she agrees. So for me, it's been great to be like, okay, good. I'm not the only one here that doesn't know what they're doing. I wouldn't say any cons. I mean, maybe in the beginning, if there was ever any worry of like us being compared by like the rest of the faculty here, like I didn't want them to be like, oh, like Amara is great and Andy sucks kind of thing. I think it's interesting too, because you guys are in the same class too. Yeah, that definitely would definitely help. I would see if it would be someone's like a first clinical affair to their third. I could see how that could be a little bit of a different dynamic perhaps. Yeah. But since we're both second or we're going to be third years, it's supposed to be on the same plane level there. So that's why it's like you didn't want to be compared in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Andy has a different clinical instructor than I have. Mm-hmm. So I actually like asking him, you know, what, what's he doing and kind of, I don't know. It's just, it's a good, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Like yeah. I remember maybe after like our second week, we like sat down and talked about what we've done so far and mm-hmm. how we've seen different things. Like she sees a lot of concussion patients. It's all I feel like I see more of like the chronic pain more so difficult things to work with yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i think it's good that you guys are able to see there's different ways i mean different conditions but also different ways of assessment different ways of management and they're all good there's reasoning for each one so i think getting different perspectives and being able to build off of that and collaborate is really good for you guys to consider especially as you kind of become your own clinician and your own clinical development so for our audience who perhaps isn't aware myself included do you think you guys walk us through kind of how Radford's DPT program is structured from like kind of the stuff you guys learned from my didactic standpoint. So we have a three-year program. Um, first year is all didactic. Then we do our first 12-week clinical. Then we go back to school, do another whole year of didactic, and then a second clinical. Then in, in that third year, that first semester, it's back to didactic. And then that final spring semester, we have our third clinical. So it's a total of three years before we, like the first fall semester starts, we have that summer course of anatomy. I know some programs don't do that. Like they have it like integrated into their, their program. So ours is like crash course anatomy for the summer, then a year of course, and then the 12 week clinical that summer. And then year of course, 12 week summer, fall, spring is then 12 weeks again. So the three twelve, like I was saying earlier. Gotcha. So how is like the didactic structured in terms of the content? Like do you guys go ortho heavy, neuro heavy initially? Like when is a general time frame of when certain things are introduced from that standpoint? Starting off is a lot of like basics. So it was like kinesiology, exercise physiology, mm-hmm. patient management and uh, theory and practice were classes that kind of, I think was more all encompassing that didn't feel necessarily super basic, basic. I would say our first year is more kind of ortho. Oh yeah. We didn't really touch on it. We had like neuroanatomy, I think our spring semester mm-hmm. of our first year. Uh, so that was like the only really neuro things that, or pretty much everything is up being neuro a little bit. We didn't realize that mm-hmm. then. So that was the only time that really felt like neuro neuro. Mm-hmm. And then the second year, our second year was very neuro heavy. Okay. So you guys, you guys have a lot of like cardiopulmonary wound care, other systems coming up in the future or is that we, kind of been we've integrated? covered wound care? Okay. Our cardiopulm is 
coming up in our third year. Did you guys have any opportunities or to participate in any research while at Radford, or was that a requirement? Both. Yeah, yeah. both. So, so there, yeah. there's positions you could have as like a graduate fellow mm -hmm. research assistant kind of thing to work with professors and help them with their specific research they're doing. Mm -hmm. But then also we have like capstone project where we have to get in groups and do research. We're actually in the same group. So I was kind of like lucky to get paired together here because we had to work on that over the summer. So, um, so it is required through, we have the research class where mm -hmm. we have to learn how to do that. Um, and do the capstone, but then there is other opportunities as well to work with the professors and help them with their research. I personally have not done any of it, though. I don't know if I'm No, yeah. not either. Okay. All right. Is research something you guys want to do in the future or no? Honestly, after I've learned more about this pain science and brain science, listen to that book, Phantoms of the Brain and stuff, mm -hmm. I'm like, what is this? Like, I would love to know more. And like, as I hear about it, I'm like, what? This doesn't even make sense. Like, it's something that I would probably like to read as much as I can about and potentially, like, mm -hmm. look into it further if I ever came up with a neat idea. But, I mean, that's something I'll be way in the future because I'm not there yet. But mm -hmm. I've never considered research before. I always thought it was kind of boring and stupid mm -hmm. until coming here when it's all about, like, clinical reasoning skills and challenging things and thinking about where you hear things and, like, where it comes from and then learning more about this pain brain science stuff. It's the first time I've ever wanted to look further into things, so it's pretty cool. Nice. About you, Mara? I don't really want to do formal research, but I do like researching on my own time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, find something I'm interested in, mm -hmm. look further into that. That's about it. So, guys, kind of I know you guys are not through the whole program yet. So, I realize this is going to be kind of a limited perspective here. But from your points that you are at now with going through Radford's program, what would you guys say are some of the biggest strengths that you guys have noticed in regards to your program? I, as before, um, the class size, it's very intimate. I kind of like that. To kind of go along with that, like I said something that you can't really put on paper very well is like the atmosphere that we have. So a lot of our professors like to have fun and they joke around and they're down to earth. And that's something like when I kind of say like, thank God I got into Radford's program was that the whole time I was like, I just feel like I fit in, like it's a good fit. And it probably has to do with like that small class atmosphere we have going where there's no we're sense not competitive. of, yeah, like, there's no sense of competition. Like there is no, like, I don't care to like do better than Amara. It's always this like, I think we're all kind of checking on each other to make sure that we're hanging in there because it's so tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's probably one of the best things is that the atmosphere that's been set up where like no one's trying to be better than the next person. Our professors are very down to earth and understanding. Um, to kind of add on to that, our professors are very knowledgeable as well and have so much experience, not just in like in one field, but like they all have been jumped around a bunch of different fields so they can kind of give like their ups and downs and opinions on different settings based on what they've done before. So that's really nice to kind of like know that the person teaching you knows what it's like. They didn't just like learn it in a book right. and then try to teach you what they learned in the book. They're, right. So like they're constantly being like, okay, this is what you need to know for the test, but understand in the real life, it might not look like this. So that mm -hmm. has been nice. And we will kind of touch on that later. Some probably, but not as nice as I thought it would be kind of deal. Mm -hmm. And I do believe the faculty, they're all still practicing, which I kind of like, because I know that mm -hmm. some schools with faculty just stop practicing. So. Mm -hmm. So on this show, we like to really go devil's advocate. You know, with you guys, obviously, going through clinical experiences, seeing the real-life practice, what are some things that you think perhaps could be improved in that to make it more beneficial so that you could feel better prepared coming in clinicals? Uh, so for me, one of the, like, other positives I didn't, like, necessarily mention is how I feel we do a really good job covering the pathway and anatomical approach to things. Mm -hmm. Our professors are, like, AOMP. They're all, like, fellows of AOMP, and they really know their stuff, and we learn, like, oh, if it's this, then it's going to be this, like, tissue-wise, and really understanding those things and differential diagnosis is really strong. Um, 
But something that has like hit hard coming here is kind of the importance of the biopsychosocial aspect of patient treatment. And while in our program, we do talk about that. Like it, it comes up and the professors mention it. Like I said, they'll say like, you know, it's not going to be like this in the real world, but I just never feel like it was emphasized enough. It was more of like a, like a side note, like, Oh, it probably won't look like this or it's not going to look like this. Just more of a be ready for it. But then it was never like really stressed. Like we had one class, we have a psychosocial class that was like only two credits. And it honestly kind of seemed silly at times. Like, what are we doing? But now like being in clinic, it's like, I feel like that stuff, not that you could necessarily teach it better, but just the importance and the value of it could be uh, emphasized more. Just kind of like, you know, this is half of what you're going to be doing, not Mm -hmm. the two credits of your whole semester of what you're going to be doing. But I mean, they do address it. Like we have the course Mm -hmm. that's on that and like professional affairs and that stuff. Like we talk about all these things. I guess it's just so hard to take something that needs to be measured objectively in school and then bring it out into the real world. I mean, that's what clinics are for, I guess, Mm -hmm. is it's the only way you can really get exposed to it. I would say clinical selection. um, So I know a lot, every school has issues with their clinical selection. But what we normally did, um, we had a database where it's all laid out, you know, you pick which one you want, you rank it. Um, but for our third one, we, we did kind of a new system where she would email, email out like four or five locations and we would pick from that. But I am the kind of person who likes to see everything laid out. I like to see all my options. And by the time I realized that for our third selection, we weren't going to have a database, I was stuck with whatever was left over. So that was kind of upsetting. It happened to me sure. as well. Yeah. I, I just like blame myself. I thought I just missed an email or something somewhere, but mm-hmm. all of a sudden it was like I had five things to choose from and I thought I was going to get a database to pick at some point in the fall. I think that's what they did mm-hmm. with previous years. I mean, they might've told us and it might be on me. I don't know. But mm-hmm. the point is the last one didn't go as well. Yeah. What was, if you guys know, what was the reasoning behind switching to that approach more or system? I think it's been like a lot of feedback because they've been working on this a lot. Like they mm-hmm. want to know what the students want and like sure. what, like what we want to get from the clinical rotation and picking them and stuff. And I think that maybe the feedback led to them thinking that uh, that's the only thing we wanted. We didn't want the database anymore. I think a lot of us maybe wanted to have the option to do either, but then the option was taken away from the database and we didn't know that that was going to happen. I think just it just might've been a miscommunication thing. Yeah. So what would you guys say? I mean, with your guy, with you guys doing your second clinical now, from your perspective, what makes a clinical rotation successful? Well, first thing, I think you need a really good clinical instructor. I've been really lucky so far in the fact that in my, this one included in my last one, my instructors were so patient with me and I wasn't afraid to ask any questions. So that's one. I know that some people, their CIs were just very intimidating. So, yeah. I think my CI is probably one of the more intimidating ones, but I was going to say probably one of the important things is like who your CI is like as a person and is like their education and where they're coming from. Um, so like we both are lucky that we have very experienced CIs that just have years under their belt. So they're not going to get defensive. You can question them on anything and they're going to explain it well because they've looked into the research. They kind of understand more of a deeper, why are we doing things, not just memorizing and doing things. Um, so that's probably one of the big, one of the big factors having someone that has that seasoning where they can, kind of tell you how it is for real that being a big one and then their ability to get you in there and get your hands in there so giving you the chance to apply the knowledge a lot of times for us starting off it was me asking a lot of questions and trying to wrap my head around things and then he'd be like I think after a while he'd start to understand like I'm starting to understand a little bit like do you want to give this a try I think you kind of get what I want you to do here Um, so that's been really good um, but then other things would be like the variety of experiences that you get. So like this clinic sees so many different types of patients, like all ages, 
so many different types of diagnoses that I've never even heard of. Um, so all between the ages and the types of people and the different diagnoses, I feel like it lets you just see and experience things. Cause that's what these clinical rotations are. They're experiences for us to, when we go out there and we're supposed to be the ones responsible and in charge, it's like, okay, I've seen this before. And that's what I think makes a good clinic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of really transitioning you to ultimately be an independent clinician. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huge. So you kind of both mentioned this briefly kind of in your previous answer in the previous question here, but from where things you guys started here at this clinical experience to kind of where you guys are at now professionally, can you walk us through kind of how you guys have each grown? Like where you were at before, where you're at now, and kind of what you're looking to do as you finish up this rotation, maybe go on to the next one or even when you become an independent clinician. Well, for me, starting off, it was like I was amazed and confused at the same time. It was like, what in the world? Like, I thought I was good at this. I have like straight A's in school. I know what I'm doing. But then it was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I just kind of want to sit back and watch for now because this is all like so much different than like what I learned kind of deal. But to go along with that, I'll kind of like quickly get into like how I grew from it. Uh, I started to wrap my head around things. And the best part was just like the ability to question the why behind what's happening and not just take information and try to like memorize it and like take it as a fact. It's more of like, why is this, why is it the way it is? And then it improves your clinical reasoning skills, which is like the main thing we can't really have until we're in clinic. I think, I mean, we, at least that's something that I've kind of seen as like in school, it's like, you kind of have to know the facts so they can objectively test it. And then when it's here, when it's like different, it always is going to depend on the patient. That's the answer that you get from every professor. When you ask a question, it depends. And it's like, it was always the most annoying answer to get because it's like, I want to know, but the depends is the right answer. Like if they didn't say it depends, it's like, oh, that person's speaking in absolutes that can't be right then because that's what it kind of ends up turning mm-hmm. out to be. But for me, it's like as far as like professional development, like I already mentioned earlier about starting to be interested in potentially looking at research and I never cared before. It's just this being challenged beyond anything I've been challenged before and constantly feeling confused has made me want to constantly look into more and understand Mm -hmm. more. So before this rotation, I didn't really listen to podcasts that much. I didn't really read books outside of what was required in school. So now like I've already listened to because my drives a little bit longer to and from here. It's like, I've already listened to like two audio books on like brain and pain science and stuff like that. And then I've subscribed to like five different uh, podcasts and listened to those to and from work. And it's all related to physical therapy. And it's just things that's like, you know, going back to school, the before me and the after me is just like so much more ready to take it to the next level when I'm by myself. Like I'll keep learning as a clinician and yeah. do that continuing uh, like the education never ends kind of thing. It's like, I never, I mean, I always knew that was a thing. I never knew what that felt like until this summer. Well, for me, when I first started here, it was kind of like Andy's experience. Um, I had no idea what I was doing. Everyone here was so smart and I felt like I wasn't competent at all. So, you know, I soaked it all in the first few weeks and then my CI just kind of gradually started having me do things. I started with the subjective, the objective, and then eventually, you know, all of it. Um, So, I mean, it was an interesting experience. It was a huge learning curve for me. Professionally for me, I think, well, before this experience, I had no interest in doing an outpatient experience at all, an outpatient setting. I, I really had a bad prior experience in an outpatient setting before when I was kind of doing my, sorry, my, my shadowing hours to apply to PT school. Just the most awful experience. I think that was because I couldn't really do anything because I was just shadowing for 300 hours. So, but when I came here, there was more to it than what I first thought. And I started looking into more of like the orthopedic side of things. And I kind of enjoyed that. My, my first kind of rotation was in a sniff and I really enjoyed that. 
And I thought, you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go in an inpatient or a sniff. Mm -hmm. But then I came here and I really enjoy it here. So I have no idea. I'm still deciding. No idea. No, it's not a bad thing. And sometimes you got to, that's why part of the experience is like you learn what you like, you learn what you don't like. I mean, there's always value in that. And I think you guys having the experience of this clinic, learning from those to these two is some of the stuff that they're teaching you. I didn't learn until like a year, year and a half out. Mm. on my own or doing a teaching education class when I was back in Michigan. So I think you guys being able to get exposure and know that is so valuable. Yeah. I definitely feel the same way. Yeah. Uh, so what stands out? If you could choose one thing, what is the biggest thing you have learned about physical therapy profession or interacting or managing patients since you've been a student thus far? Gosh, picking one thing. Well, that sounds pretty tough. Patients don't follow a specific pattern. Ooh. It depends. Mm-hmm. It depends. Like Andy says. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much understanding the answer, it depends, finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'd say the biggest thing is, like, just clinical reasoning skills. It's just kind of being able to, like, challenge the status quo kind of thing. Like, don't just be told one thing in a textbook and be like, okay, that's how it is. It's just, like, it's going to be different with every single person. Mm-hmm. So, I think my big takeaway so far being here is, like, the importance of, like, the biopsychosocial aspect of healthcare. And, mm-hmm. I understand we have to know the pathoanatomical stuff, like mm-hmm. one, taking the boards after school, and two, I mean, you do have to know those things because yeah. it's going to apply to to a lot of patients that have like a tissue issue kind of deal, but it's mm-hmm. like it just turns out there's so much more where it's always like a motor control or like some kind mm-hmm. of environmental factor in like the patient's life where like they're coming out of some mm-hmm. kind of stressful thing, they're not sleeping, their diet's bad, and like these all are things that lead to what their problem is, but it's just... I think we're going to probably go over that maybe next fall. We have like a wellness class. So that's probably why mm-hmm. I'm so shocked at how little I feel like I know about this stuff, but it just turns out more than half of the patient's care is stuff that we don't focus on for boards, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when you kind of go back and you think about, you know, the lessons that you guys have each learned from clinical reasoning, biopsychosocial, being able really to assess that individual person, seeing kind of where they're at and seeing, really assessing when the biocycle is how much is bio, how much is psychosocial and digging into those categories, where on all these levels is this person at? Because there's always a little bit of each to a degree saying what scale, what's the primary one, you know, and being able to identify. And that's something that definitely gets better. The more you see it, the more you experience it. Yeah. And a lot of this is going to take practice. Like I understand we have to pass boards and it's like, it gives you the right to start practicing. So really we just starts when we graduate, but you know, it's so hard not to have like terrible anxiety starting off if it's like if you just feel you don't know how to do it so it's almost like a feel you just need more exposure i mean that's what clinics are but maybe just Mm -hmm. if like maybe during our curriculum if there was more like maybe forced shadowing kind of thing during the curriculum where it doesn't count as your clinic but it's like hey every other friday you're gonna go work in this clinic for a day Mm -hmm. like that maybe would open my eyes enough so that way when i am studying the material or when i get the little this little hint that I feel like professors always give us, like it's not going to look like this in clinic or knowing to focus on the biopsychosocial aspect of things. Instead of it just being like a, what felt like a side note, maybe if I were like were in clinic more throughout the school year, not necessarily as a clinical, because I like having these long 12 week clinicals. Mm-hmm. Um, it would give me the chance to turn my perspective and thought process in the classroom. So as I'm studying, I know what to do with that more as far as like application versus taking it as a fact and trying to store it in my brain for the test. Right. Being able to use it and recognizing, Hey, I know this. Here's how I can apply it for this. I've used it before that sticks more. Yeah. 
So guys, we usually ask this question at the end of every single episode, and this is kind of a big one, but we always want to see what everyone's perspective is. So the question is, if you could change one aspect of healthcare education, whether that be DPT or other healthcare provider related, which aspect would you change and how would you change it? Well, I kind of spoiled my answer a little bit there, my, <laughs> my previous comment, but pretty much just the importance of biopsychosocial, I feel like. And I know this is talked about for other professions as well, but it's just kind of like treating the patient as a whole. And we say that all the time in our classes too. I guess that just doesn't feel... I didn't to, know what it meant when we said in class. Mm-hmm. It, it, just, do. it just doesn't feel like it's emphasized as much. And yeah. like you said, it's like not so you're here and living it. Do you really understand it more? So maybe that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and then also learning how to piece it all together. Like we learn all this information that is really good. I mean, it's, you have to know it. I understand. But sometimes I just feel like it was really hard for me to take, okay, these are the things you look for to get a diagnosis. And like, here's a bunch of treatments and potentially you could use these treatments for blank. But I just feel like it was really hard to understand how to bring those two together. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's why I'm kind of saying the only way to really see that is if there was like a foreshadowing. And I know that ideally we're proactive individuals. We got into physical therapy programs, we should be able to set up our own shadowing kind of thing. But it just feels like school's so hard and you don't have the time or energy to set up optional shadowing hours, especially when like in school, we typically classes during working hours of a clinic. Like I've tried shadowing here and there. It's really hard. Um, but I feel like if we could just had more exposure that didn't count as like the clinical mm-hmm. rotation, because I like our long 12-week rotations. I don't want to have a bunch of short ones in between. Um, just having that opportunity to see these things and having someone there kind of explain like oh this person has a rotator cuff pathology or something and then kind of see why this exercise is the best thing because of this because then I can take that and apply it to things I see in class Um, but to go along with that further it's like this would be a good one for rotator cuff pathology but because of this person and their experiences and what they want to do this would be better Mm -hmm. and that's something that I feel you can't really get in class. I mean, we try to do like scenarios, which is good. Like I can tell our program really tries to do these things. I think it's just really hard to mimic it in a classroom. It's the nature of the beast. Yeah. How about you, Laura? I'm kind of, I'm kind of with Andy on this. Um, I would have liked more clinical, not experience, but I've seen more before actually having been put out there into a clinical, an actual clinical experience. Maybe like a full week of shadowing before you, I don't know, just something so I can see how to apply what I learned in school to the real world. Cause it's like, we learn how to do like different skills, like piece by piece. Like, okay. I can do this. But then it's like, I didn't know I should have done this one here, putting it know. together. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, that's why we're here now. So like, you know, our program has the clinical experience for that reason. So, you know, so, you know, it's kind of good job there. My experience here is doing great, but it's almost one of those things where if I didn't get lucky and get put here, I, I like, the thought of being at like a different clinic where I feel like I didn't have the education I was getting here with these guys. Like if I were to start off as a PT student that didn't have this experience, I feel like I would just be a nervous wreck, like anxiety to the floor kind of thing. I think there's, and there's an honest, we used to have an honest discussion that there's a lot of that that does exist out there. I mean, there's, I mean, I personally, when I came out, I mean, I felt like I really wasn't pushed hard enough when I was in clinicals to really be able to be an independent clinician. And when I got out, I felt like it was just a slap in the face. <laughs> like you're just like, oh, I have to do all this. And it's, you're trying to learn clinically, you're trying to learn the business, you're trying to learn all this in one. It's overwhelming. And I like how they're bringing, like here, they're teaching you all this stuff to, be, to really get you into that role. Because I mean, you can't do it all in one rotation. Mm-hmm. Y- you can't, but you should be exposed and be able to 
know all the ins and outs of what it's really going to be. So guys, where can people find you online or on social media if they have a question? Amara, what's your, what's your Twitter? I do have a Twitter. Um, I'm not really active on it, but I do have a Twitter. Um, it's at Amini150, so A-M-I-M-I-150. Yeah, probably the best place to find me is Twitter as well. I feel like Andy Smith's pretty too common on Facebook to actually pinpoint me on there, but Twitter would be at Andy Smith VTPT, as in like Virginia Tech Physical Therapy. Even though I am at Radford, it is at Andy Smith VTPT. What was your uh, quote that you have on there too to identify yourself? <laughs> How did I identify? It was like tall, awkward white guy. Yeah. It's like I'm just that tall, awkward white guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, guys. Thank you so much for your time and perspective. I think it's really good for the listeners to kind of hear the perspective of students that are currently in it and also that are going through a clinical experience to gain some perspective out there, to get some different points of view out there. Because at the end of the day, we need to have these honest discussions about pros, cons, how can we improve, talk about these real issues to really help get change from all stakeholders. So thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks thank for having us, Brandon. Us. Mm-hmm. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere Healthcare, a telehealth platform, is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today. And we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, healthcareeducationtransformationpodcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.